Colossians chapter 1. Brittany read from this chapter earlier for us. We're going to pick up in verse 24. 24 through the end of chapter 1 is, is our focus this morning. Colossians 1.24, Paul writes, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. This is the word of the Lord. So this morning... Hasn't been able to escape the fact that today's a special day for me. I think some of you said condolences, some of you said happy birthday. But today's my birthday, and I've been holding on to this image for such a long time. So here's my moment to give it to you. Uh, been wanting to use this image. So several of you tell me regularly that I have a slight resemblance to Lincoln Riley, for which a long time was an okay thing, lately has not become. Uh, su such a great thing. So uh, out with the old, in with the new. Uh, here's the picture I'm throwing up here today for myself that I'm a man, I'm a 40, I made it. Good day for that. And I'll tell you that I've been a little more reflective this last week than I thought I would have been. Several of you have been kind, you're like, I'm 40 times two plus a few. It's gonna be all right, Pastor Owen, just keep going. Some of you 40 feels forever away. I can promise you it's not. Uh, but the last week, is, as I've thought about this, and the scripture that says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Friends, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And we think about life as a gift from God. What am I doing with my life? How am I honoring the Lord with my life? If I have 40 years, or 41 years, or 81 years, or whatever the Lord might give, how am I honoring the Lord with my life? And so what I want to do this morning is I want to share with you a couple of things that I've been reflecting on personally, and I'm not just here to talk about myself because nobody came here for that reason. You came here to think about the Lord and his work in your life. And so I want to reflect on a few things that I've been thinking about that I hope will be helpful to you. And then we're going to turn to God's word, to Colossians 1, and I want to give you three things this morning that I, will, I hope you'll focus your life on. So we're going to begin by reflecting, God, what is our life all about? What are we giving our life to? We've got a list of those. And then I want to give you three things from God's word that we're going to focus on. So first, let me talk a little bit about what I've been reflecting on this past week. During my birthday week, my mom every year goes to the photo album and just sends us pictures all week long from the old photo albums. And so I'll hear my phone buzz, and I know it's another text from my mom, more pictures coming through, more of those memories coming through. I've been reflecting a lot on the gift of a godly family. I talk a lot about the family that I come from, the small little church that I grew up in, and sometimes I might tell those stories and you think, well, he's trying to get away from that or he's embarrassed by that. 100% no, I am so thankful for a legacy of faith in my family and what it is to grow up in that way. And, and many of you have grown up in that way. And teenagers, I know there's sometimes frustration of, 
we've got to go to church again, my family always makes me go to church, and I know at times that doesn't feel good, it is an incredible gift. And I hope you'll receive it in that way and know what it is. And, and for those of you who have not grown up with a godly family, and home doesn't feel that way, and the memories of your childhood don't feel that way to you, that you have an opportunity to break those generational curses like that and to be able to think about what is it to develop a legacy of faith. Uh, Those of you who are moving into new seasons of life, those of you who are moving into marriage, that I want my home to be a place that is focused on the Lord, a place of peace and stability and hospitality as people come to know the Lord. And even somebody like myself who is is super introverted, and Amanda asked me what I wanted to do for my birthday, and I was like, well, tomorrow I just want to go play golf by myself. <laughs> and she's like, well, all right, you can do that. So uh, even somebody who just really enjoys being by themselves, I've learned over the years, just thinking about incredible friendships. All of us, even the most introverted among us, know the value of friendships. People like the staff uh, here at Emmaus and, and how much they mean to me. Mentors, those old guys in your life, like Jim Lehu, you know, who just really, like, make an incredible impact in your life. And you look at them and think, I want to be like that. Like, I want to love God, and I want to love others like that. And the people that God brings in your life, over there on the left, you can see me and my brothers, my two younger brothers, and my, my late grandfather uh, blowing out the candles on that cake. And, and how God brings relationships into our lives so we'll know his goodness, the way people around us shape us, the way they drive us to share his love with people, you have no idea the impact your life might be making on others. Grandparents, stay in the game. (laughs) Friends, those of you who have friends who are struggling, stay in the game with them, love them, care for them, the value that that is. The next set of slides up here. Number three, I've been thinking about a lot lot about life as a recovering Pharisee. Uh, So you grew up in church like I did, you have a personality like I did, it's easy to be a Pharisee, to be judgmental of everyone, to think about Christianity as all about keeping up the right appearance, doing the right thing to impress people, having the right information, and and God sent me an incredible wife to help me move out of that some, to realize how good it is to explore and enjoy God's world, to be able to have fun, to do those things together. Uh, There we are hiking. There's me and my brothers growing up a little bit, uh, playing, playing golf together. How we break out of them, we begin to see how good God's world is. Just to go and enjoy the world. Just to go explore. And when we think about scripture, it's not all about having the right answers and winning all the tests. It's about what is God's word doing in my heart. That I explore scripture. And we have this faith that we want to understand more. I love this this phrase, faith seeking understanding. Because in my life, studying, learning more, learning from people different than me, that's grown my faith. I know sometimes people are worried about learning or going to school or reading books as they're afraid it will like take away your faith. It's been the exact opposite for me. Places like OBU, places like New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, that we have this faith in Jesus, and the more we have that faith and we grow, the more we want to know more, the more we want to understand, the more we want to learn, the more we want to learn from people who aren't like us. One of the things that really scares me about not only the country we live in politically, but, but the church climate is how incredibly polarized we've gotten, like how everything's gotten pushed to the margins, and if there's somebody that thinks differently than you about something or has a different perspective on something, they just immediately become your enemy. And, and we live in these weird echo chambers where we only wanna hear people who think the way we do or, or live the way we li- live, and 
the value that comes in life of hearing people who come from a different perspective and different background, and we learn from that, not giving up our faith, but it's faith seeking understanding. It's faith that wants to explore God's world. It's faith that wants to know more about God's word. And so I've been thinking about that a lot as well. Next list, you guys know I struggle terribly with anxiety. I struggle with anxiety about my anxiety. Uh, so it's like, how do I, how do I process this, this reality in life of lifelong battles with anxiety? Anxiety is about finances, church finances going into to this year, going to counseling, being able to work through these things. Trying to deal with this question is, what is success? You live your life and you look up at some point and you think, what did I really accomplish? Like, what, what is success? What does it look like to do that? Especially in, in church life. One of the conclusions I've come to is things like humility and gentleness and faithfulness go a long way in counting toward a successful life. We live in a world where success is portrayed to us in a certain way, but in the kingdom of God, humility before God and others, gentleness toward people who are struggling, and faithfulness to the Lord and to those around you, little by little, day after day, makes an incredible impact. And I'm trying to learn that. I'm trying to internalize that. I'm trying to remember that. That our standing before the Lord, when we stand before the Lord one day, he won't say, well done, good and successful servant. (laughs) He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. That God has called us to faithfulness. And I want that to be true in my life, my family, our church family, that that would be true of us. And the way we get to that comes from the next screen. And these are the last two of just reflecting. Deep trust in God. One of the things I love about being a part of a multi-generational church like we have is to look at older people, definitely older than 40, you know, well older than 40, older people in the church, and for them to say, I want you to know what it is for God to be faithful. I want you to know what it is to trust in God. That you go through life and things happen to you and you think, why did that happen? Like, what's going on in the world? What's going on in my life? Why did these things happen? And at the end of the day, you come back and say, God's mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. This deep, abiding, never-ending trust in the Lord and his goodness. And after thinking about all of that this week, just to come back to this idea, Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth everything that you have to give. Students, everything put in front of you, Jesus is worth it, that you would give your life to him. I shared with you last last week one of the key verses in the New Testament for me, John chapter 6, verse 68. All these people are walking away from Jesus, and Jesus looks at his disciples and said, hey, you guys going to walk away too? You leaving too? And the disciples respond to him and say, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And I think about some of the spiritual doubts and personal doubts that I've worked through in in my own life and those things that happen in life, and I come back to Jesus at the end and say, he is worth it. Whatever you are going through in life right now, however old you might be, don't leave this morning without hearing this. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the most important thing that you would do today is you would follow him, that you would give your life to him, that he died for you, for your sins, in your place, so that you could have life both now and eternally. And so as I think about those things and reflect on those things, 
was like, Lord, what passage? What passage of scripture? Because nobody came this morning to hear me reflect on 40 years life. What passage of scripture does our church family need this morning? And I wanna share this passage with you from Colossians 1 that was preached at my ordination service that I think about on a regular basis. And from this passage, if you're taking notes, I'm gonna give you three things that I hope you'll focus your life on. Three things I wanna focus my life on, that I want us to be focused on, but three things that I hope your life will be focused on in the days ahead. Colossians 1, verse 24. Let's study this passage, let's think about it, let's understand it, and then how do we apply it? Colossians 1, verse 24. Paul says here, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Now that's a verse in the New Testament that when you read it, you should scratch your head and think, whoa, wait, time out, what, what's going on there? This idea here that Paul would talk about his sufferings and then he would say that he is filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions, like was Jesus' death on the cross not enough? Is that what Paul's saying here? From a salvation standpoint, that's not at all what he's saying here. The death of Jesus absolutely, completely paid for the sins of the world. That on the cross, he died for your sins in your place. Full stop. That is absolutely the case. The idea that Paul is expressing here in this verse is that Christ's sufferings on the cross that made possible the church, the way those sufferings will be displayed in the world the extent of those sufferings in time and space didn't stop at the cross. That those who follow Christ will continue to experience suffering and difficulty. There was a common idea in the Old Testament, the time of, of the Old Testament, that when the Messiah came and the end times began, and remember, the end times didn't begin in the recent couple of years. The end times began with the resurrection of Jesus and his return to heaven. That in the end times before his return, sufferings would continue to increase. Sufferings would be a part of the lives of those who follow him. Sufferings would be part of the church. And so when we think about what Paul is expressing here, he is saying that as the gospel spreads, as the world develops, as people continue to turn away from the things of God, suffering is going to be part of the experience of the people of God. It simply will be part of the church. But Paul says it's worth it. I am suffering for your sake so you will know how good Jesus is, so you will know what it is to give your life to him. Verse 25 kind of continues that idea. Verse 25, this church of which I became a minister, a servant, that's even the word for deacon that you find in, in the New Testament, a minister, a servant, according to the stewardship. This is something God gave me to do. It was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. What does a suffering church need? They need the word of God. When I think about what I want to be focused on in the future, I want to serve you and I want to suffer with you and for you in order to make God's word fully known to you. That when we think about what do we most need, what do we most need to navigate the things that we face in this world, what do we most need? We need the word of God. 
the living and active and powerful word of God made fully known, not just the parts you like, not just the parts that make you feel good, but the full counsel of God's word. And for God's word to be fully known is not that it just goes into our heart or heads, but it goes into our hearts. It changes the way we live. It produces fruit in our lives. And so you think about the things that you're facing in life. And you think about the things your family and friends are facing in life. And you think about where we are as a church and the world. What do we need? We need the word of God made known to us. And we're going to stay committed to that. And we're going to stay focused on that. And verse 26 keeps this idea going. Verse 26 says, this word of God, it was this mystery that was kept hidden for ages and generations. But it has now been revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of his glory. This idea that as the word of God is made known, this mystery is revealed, something that wasn't clear about God's plans before has been made known. It's been made known to all people, including the Gentiles, those who were not originally thought to be a part of the people of God. And what Paul is doing here is he's saying this reality of being a part of the church, this reality of receiving the word of God is for all people. Translated, as a church committed to God's word, we are committed to the idea that God's word is for all people. That one of the beautiful things about the church is we're not all the same. You think about being a part of a church family. Part of what makes a church family so great is the diversity in that church family. We don't all think the same. We don't all have the same backgrounds. We don't all have the same perspectives, but we're all centered on Jesus. We all want to know the word of God. We all want to serve him faithfully. And so a room like this, when you're like, I don't know that all these people would necessarily be my friends all the time, but they're a part of my family. <laughs> they're a part of the church family. And what makes us great is we're not all the same, but we are unified for the purpose of worshiping God and giving him glory. Point number one, focus your life on serving the church. Focus your life. Students, give your life to this. Senior adults, give your life to this, that we will give our lives, we will focus our lives on serving the church. That when you think about church, and I know this is cliche and cheesy, but, but hear me out for a second. When you think about church, the first thing you think about won't be like, what does this have to do with me? How can I receive from this? When you think about church, the first thing that comes to mind is who can I serve? Who can I care for? Who can I reach out to? Who can I share God's word with? That we would be serving one another and suffering together in selflessness that says, it's not about me. I'm, my hands are open toward my church family. I want to care for the people. I want to share God's word. We sing together in order to share God's word together. And we're going to be unified. We're going to be unified around the glory of God. That we give our lives to this. And I don't know if you spend much time on social media. Hopefully not too much. There's good things about social media. Some really fun things. Uh, but there's some really tough things. The church today in the world is not carrying a very positive image. And, and I know you know that. Like it's, it's not hard to see that. You feel that in your schools. You feel that in your workplaces. There's some really embarrassing, difficult, hard things about the church, and it is so easy in an instant to turn negative about church. And can I tell you at Emmaus, we simply will not go down that route. We will not do that. The church of God is worth serving and worth giving our lives to, that we are going to be a part of the people of God. Now, 
Is there a chance that you've been hurt by being a part of a church? Absolutely. Like, every one of us bring our baggage into this place. Like, we, we all carry tons of baggage about being a part of the church. But I'm here to say, do not back away from the gift of the body of Christ, of being connected to a local church where it's not just about what do I receive or what do I get or what do I like, but I'm gonna serve. I'm gonna care for others. I'm gonna worship the Lord with people who aren't like me because I wanna know the word of God and I wanna live for the Lord. In a world where it's so easy to be negative about the church, let's be different. Let's not go down that road. Let's speak about who, how good church is. All right, that's point number one. Verse 27, the middle of verse 27, it says, as God is making known the riches of his glory of this mystery, what is this mystery that God has made known? Well, the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. In other words, your hope for eternity is not your outside actions, it's not your external actions, it's not how you appear, it's not the family you were born into or how many times you go to church, your hope for eternity is that Christ is in you, that you have been transformed from the inside out, that you've been saved, that you've been born again. Our hope for eternity is not what we do in our own strength, it's not how we appear externally, it has to be about an internal change. One of my favorite phrases to describe Christianity to people, Christianity is not about bad people learning to act good, Christianity is about dead people coming to life. Christianity is not about bad people learning to act good, as if our greatest need in the world is to be better people. Christianity is about dead people coming to life. Our greatest need is that we are dead in our sins, separated from God, but through Jesus' death and resurrection, we can be made alive, both now and forever. And so when we think about this, we think about, I need an internal heart change. I don't just need to get things together on the outside. What is the mystery of God? It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so what do you do with that? Well, verse 28 says, him we proclaim. We talk about Jesus. We talk about Jesus. We talk about Jesus with people around us, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Warning being able to speak to people and say, friend, don't go that direction. I know where that path in life leads and you do not want to go down that path. There's a better way. Follow the way of Jesus. But sometimes we do have to warn. Sometimes we do have to say the hard things. But then teaching and building up with wisdom so we can present everyone mature in Christ. That word mature, if you like to do little notes about particular words in your Bible, that word mature is really nice. It has the idea of wholehearted has the idea of giving your undivided attention to something. So to be mature in life, and let's be honest, doesn't matter if you're 14 or 40 or 85, we never escape middle school. Like it just goes with us all, all throughout life. Middle school drama and middle school humor, like you just never get past it in, in life. And so this idea of hoping for maturity, maturity says I'm consistent in my life no matter what. That I've grown up into a wholehearted devotion to the Lord. So point number two for this morning is I hope you'll focus your life on proclaiming and displaying Jesus. Like you would be known as someone who talks about Jesus all the time. And the way that you live shows people how good Jesus is, shows people the way of Jesus. That we talk about his salvation, 
that people would know that their life can be changed from the inside out, and that we would talk to people about growing into maturity. What does maturity look like? Well, it looks like our phrase from OBU that we talked about last week, all of life, all for Jesus. If you wanna know what Christian maturity looks like, what that big $100 theology word, sanctification, looks like, all of life, all for Jesus. That I wanna live my life serving the church and proclaiming and displaying Jesus. Finally, verse 19, or verse 19, verse 29. What a great verse here. This whole chapter ends with this idea. Paul says, because of all this, what am I gonna give my life to? For this, I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So up here on the screen, I've got another picture. This is my late grandfather uh, again. And my brothers and I keep this picture of him in our office. I've got this picture of my grandpa in my office. He worked his whole life, both civil service at Fort Sill, and then also worked for Ford Motor Company as, as a mechanic. And so when a winter storm would come, like, unfortunately, we may have again this week, later this week, and uh, on the bottom of the TV screen, KSWO, the ABC affiliate in Lawton, the, on the bottom of the TV, it would say, Fort Sill base closed, only essential workers report. That man went to work because he wanted them to know he was essential. <laughs> like, he showed up to work. Like, you will know I am essential. He worked, and he worked, and he worked his whole life. And my brothers and I keep that picture in our office because... Doggone it, we're going to show up for work. Like, we are going to do the work that God has put in front of us. And this idea here, for this I toil, the word for toiling is just hard manual labor. Hard manual labor. And I know, throw every preacher joke at me you want, I know we're not known for hard manual labor uh, in, in the preaching profession or the pastoring profession, but, like, we're going to work at this. And that word struggling is the word for athletic contests. It's the word agonizing. Like, this is hard work. We're going to give ourselves to this fully. But it's not our own strength. I'm going to work with everything I have. I'm going to fight this battle. I'm going to play this game. I'm going to get everything I have. And how am I going to do that? Struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So in life, you know that whole tension between how much of it is God's power and how much of it is our work, Paul doesn't struggle with that tension. He says, you're gonna work, and you're gonna work hard at what God has put in front of you, and how are you gonna work hard? It's gonna be his strength that works through you. And that brings so much freedom. Remember, your work, your work that God has put in front of you is for his glory. Whatever you do, students, whatever you do, all the way up to the very last day you have on this earth, whatever God has put in front of you, Work hard at it, but you do that knowing it's God's strength working through you. So finally, what are these three points? What are the things that I want to focus my life on, and I hope it will be true of you? Let's be a group of people who serve the church, who are committed to the church. Let's be a group of people who speak about Jesus and live lives that look like Jesus, all of life, all for Jesus. And let's be a group of people who endure, who keep working, who refuse to give up no matter what, not because of how great we are, but because it's God's strength, it's God's power working in and through us. And how are we able to do that? Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
Here's what we're going to do at the end of our service today. I'm going to pray for you, pray a blessing over you, pray that these things would be true in your life. And then we're going to stand up and we're going to sing an old school hymn together, Because He Lives. Uh, So when I was growing up in that little church in southwest Oklahoma, when it came time for like pick your favorite hymn uh, on Sunday night, Because He Lives was always my go-to hymn. It's the hymn that I think about, the hymn that I draw on, the hymn because of what Christ has done for us, we are able to live this life that God has put in front of us. So we're just going to stand up and we're going to sing that song together here in a moment at, at the end of our service. And after we sing that hymn, you're dismissed to go and encourage and serve one another. But hear me out on this. Don't leave this room without talking to someone about your relationship with the Lord. If you have questions about salvation, if you have questions about being involved in church, maybe you're just dealing with a lot of hurt personally in your life, please don't leave this place without talking to someone about that. Let me pray for you, and we're gonna stand up and sing this hymn together, and we'll be dismissed. Let's pray together. Father, you are so good and faithful to us. And God, we come together in this room. Uh, Some people probably the first time they've ever been in this room, some people here from the day this building was built, people all across the age spectrum, some people who walked in here and today was a really happy day, and some people walked in here and today was a really, really hard day. Just getting here uh, felt like a win. And God, I pray that as we have been able to sing together today and pray together, conversations that will happen on the way out the door, God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for your word that reminds us of the gift of being a part of a church. Thank you for your word that reminds us that all of this is focused on Jesus. Our hope is found in him. We we wanna give our lives fully to him. And God, I pray that we would not give up. God, that we would continue to work, we would continue to serve, we would continue to push ahead. God, some people in this room are going through such hard times right now. And just enduring takes so much and remind them that we work and we struggle, but we do it with your power at work in us. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here today who's struggling with a relationship with you, struggling with whether or not they're a Christian, struggling with what they believe, maybe they're finding a lot of doubts and they feel embarrassed and shameful about that. God, would you take all of that away and God, allow them to reach out to someone, God, that they would commit their lives to you. And God, we are able to pray all this. We're able to pursue all this because of Jesus, because he lives. God, thank you for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.